Well, good evening, everyone, to another edition of the podcast we call OBW Talks. It's a part of the Old Baptist Weekly Broadcast, and we are right in the thick of the beginning of Galatians. We're just starting in Galatians. <laughs> We're going to go through six chapters at this pace by the time... I turned 67 or 8 or 19. <laughs> we may be through. Yeah, maybe. The way we do it is we think, well, let's just do a big chunk. And then, no, then we break it down to one verse yeah. at a time. And you know what? It's probably okay. <laughs> uh, so far, so good. I've really enjoyed the sessions. I hope uh, all that's been watching have found it edifying hmm. and helpful to you in your studies. Certainly, it doesn't provide any hindrances. And today we hope that the Lord will be with us as we try to talk about yes. uh, this next section of Galatians. Yes, still in the first chapter, but God willing, we may actually get through with the first chapter. We're going we're gonna to do Galatians 1, 11 through verse 24. And uh, it says at the end of that verse, and they glorify God in me, maybe... The Lord will bless us so well that God's people will glorify God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what we do, well, you know what we do. We have a prayer from one of our peanut gallery peanuts. And today it's the peanut peanuttiest peanut of them all. And oh. Jerry Anstey's gonna say our prayer. After Thank which, you. Thank you, Brother Mike. <laughs> crunchy peanut butter guy you yeah right <laughs> next after that is assume, assuming jerry prays within a reasonable period of time remember you're not heard for your merch words okay <laughs> we're gonna have elder joe holder i love saying it. elder joe holder do his dead level best to do his level set you're gonna do your dead level best brother joe right <laughs> that's all we ask for we just ask for your very best joe because so far, your level sets have really been fantastic. The mm -hmm. Lord's blessed you. I mean, yes. wow. Yeah, wow. But don't let us down this time, please. <laughs> keep, the, keep the quality high. Okay. So you know what we're going to try to talk about. You know uh, what, how we're going to try to go about it. And may God be praised and may God's people be edified. Yes. Brother Jerry, lead us in a word mm. If you'll bow with me. Kind and merciful Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before Thee this evening with a thankful heart. For surely, Lord, Thou hast seen fit to bless us by Thy mercy and Thy grace up to this very present moment in time. Lord, I trust we are as thankful as we should be for the opportunity of gathering together in this very capacity to attend unto Thy Word, Lord. We are dependent upon Your mercy. We're dependent upon the manifestation of thy spirit around about us. Lord, bless our study that we might be able to look into thy word, Lord, and that you would give increase, uh, that we would be able to speak in such a way that it would stir the minds and stir the hearts of those that would hear this broad broadcast tonight. Lord, if not deceived, surely thou has been so good to us in these attempts to come together and reason together and, and study thy word. And we just pray, Father, that... It is, seems good in thy sight and that you'll continue to bless it as, uh, as you will. Lord, forgive us of our sins and overlook our imperfections. Lead us and guide us by your spirit. 
And bless now this, this hour that is before us uh, with thy felt presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, Brother Joe, give us that level set, after which mayhem shall ensue. Well, let's hope for better than mayhem, I believe. <laughs> Amen. <it will. laughs> if you read through the verses Mike identified, Galatians 1, verse 11 to the end of the chapter, Paul gives a more detailed bio of his experience from Damascus Road to the present than you find anywhere else in the New Testament. At times, there's an element of defensiveness. It almost seems like Paul's critics in the Galatian churches are raising the big question, is Paul a real apostle? are just a a pretender. And I want to go through some of Paul's reasoning to deal with this from verses we're looking at tonight. Were the 11 men associated with the ministry to the Jews and Jerusalem church taught by Jesus? Verse 11 and 12, so was Paul. He does honestly describe a detour of his spiritual activities in verses 13 and 14, his beginning, as a devoted Pharisee and a devoted persecutor of Christians. Then in verses 15 to 17, the next question, did those 11 men benefit from direct revelation from Jesus? Yes, so did Paul. And finally, in verse 18, did those three, did those 11 men have three years of personal teaching and experience with Jesus? Yes. But do you think Paul was in the desert all alone for three years? No. <laughs> I think not. So was Paul. So in every point he raises, he offers equivalency in his experience to the experience of the 11 men in Jerusalem. Raises the next big question, who were these critics? Given the the hints and clues here and there, the the strongest view, and, and my view, is that they were almost certainly members of Jerusalem church. They still, they believed in Jesus, but they still wanted to bring some of their Jewish tradition, not all of it. And and in that, they're contradicting Moses in every way imaginable, because the law is not divisible into little pieces and segments. You either take it all or you walk away from it all. You don't grab a piece here and a piece there. Paul will deal with that in the ninth, in the third chapter. And James will make an unequivocal statement to that effect in his epistle in the second chapter. I want to timelines. The specific year may not be absolute, but because many of these events appear in the book of Acts, we can be fairly comfortable with sequence. And the, the timelines I will give you are generally accepted with some minor variation, but they're, they're pretty generally accepted. And 
they won't vary a lot if you have a, a Bible with a date on each page in the book of Acts, for example. Um, at the top of the page, these dates will be similar, at least, to those dates. Supposedly, the ADBC transition coincides with the birth of Jesus, but because of history and, and fuzzy record keeping, there's a, a three to five year disparity. So instead of Jesus being crucified in AD 33, he probably was crucified in AD 30. In AD 34, Acts chapter 9, Paul has his Damascus Road experience. That's not very long after Jesus' crucifixion. And in Acts chapter 10 and 11, probably around AD 37, I've seen dates from 35 to 40, but 37 is a good middle of the road. Peter preaches at the house of Cornelius. He preaches to Gentiles. Acts 10 verses 34 and 35 are core to the issues that Paul faces in Galatia and to Peter's bad behavior in chapter 2. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person, persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him or with him. No need for a kosher diet, no need for proselyting, no need for circumcision. If they fear him and work righteousness, they are his. Peter makes that proclamation and frankly has to defend it when he gets back to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 11. AD 48, Acts chapter 13 is the date for Paul's first missionary journey. There is some difference of agreement or opinion. Did Paul go into Galatia and preach to these churches in his first journey or his second? I'm a bit inclined to say the first, but I don't know. And it's hard to know exactly. But mm -hmm. I, let's assume for the moment that's the case. That's AD 48. Still AD 48, Acts chapter 15, a problem between a Judaized perversion of the gospel and the gospel of Jesus and him crucified disturbs the Antioch church. It is members of Jerusalem church who came to Antioch teaching this. So what do you do? You take the matter back to Jerusalem church and the apostles and, and get, get their feedback. Let them decide and see what they say. Yes, they had much debate, but in the end, they agreed with Paul and by the way, Barnabas was with Paul preaching in Antioch when this all happened. Two verses from Acts chapter 15. These are the words of James, who was one of the stalwart men in Jerusalem church. Verse 13 and 14. After they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, Simon, Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. 
Paul, Barnabas, Peter, and other apostles plus Jerusalem church debated the issue, but then they published a full disclosure in total agreement mm -hmm. with Paul and Barnabas and the issue they had to deal with in Jerusalem. That's 48, let's say. The general timeline for Paul's letter to the Galatian churches is AD 54, just six years later. That's not very long. And if anything, I would suggest that Galatians may have been written earlier, but probably no later than AD 54. If the members of Jerusalem church who are in Antioch and then later in Galatia teaching this, this hybrid gospel between parts of the law and Jesus, are in fact members of Jerusalem church, they know about that Jerusalem council and what their home church and their Jewish apostles taught and, and agreed to. And they know what they're teaching the Galatians is not the belief of their home church. They've gone rogue against their own home church. That would explain Paul's cryptic description of them in Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. This is where Titus went with Paul to Jerusalem. He's a Gentile, and he's a preacher. And some folks in Jerusalem church insisted, well, if we're going to accept this man as a preacher, he must be circumcised. And Paul said, over my dead body. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a whole transition or translation to understand that. That's a good but one. it was about that strong. And Paul <laughs> explains it, this this his his firm rejection yeah. in verse four of chapter two. That because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily, privately, to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Into bondage. If these people are rogue members of Jerusalem church, it would fully explain Paul's very hard criticism of them and rejection of their ideas. They're not even representing what their own home church in Jerusalem believes. So there's a, I've left you a football field packed full of turf in between the pieces, but I wanted to give you something of a historical set to begin this, this bio of Paul and of his spiritual journey from Damascus Road to the Galatian epistle. Okay. With that, it's all yours, my friends. <laughs> huh? Are you, uh, what? You could have stopped there? Man. Oh, Joe, that was good. That was See, good. there's the cake. Add the icing to it. <laughs> I think I had, saw a lot of icing already on the cake. <clears throat> <laughs> Dr. Jerry, you look like you're about to fall out of your Oh, man. Um, again, a, another level set that um, I could have listened to for a long time. Uh, so many wonderful thoughts there and, and such a great foundation to the study that, that we're on tonight. Uh, you know, I, I guess a, a comment that I, I would make uh, just to tie on to some of the things Brother Joe said and, and to kind of kick off the uh, 
the study specifically of these verses. In verse 11, Paul makes the point that, and he uses the word certify, just just read it, Uh, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Now, this is a continuum of what Paul has already spoken of relative to his his qualifications as an apostle, and that it w- that was not of man, uh, neither is the gospel that he had preached before, and that the churches in Galatia were established in, not of man. Uh, he carries that that thought forward, and I think it's important that we that we hold on to it. Um, certainly, as Brother Joe clearly stated, the trouble was coming from man, <laughs> from man. And that's most of the time, folks, isn't that where our trouble comes from? <laughs> is uh, is from man. Usually, they'll have a little bit of influence with us in one way or another. Uh, we turn our ear toward it. Uh, you know, we're supposed to be careful what we hear. And uh, that are the words of Christ. But oftentimes, we'll turn our ear toward it. Um, We need to be careful with that. The churches at Galatia, a lot of folks there fell fell prey to some of the things coming at them. But here where Paul begins this portion that we're studying uh, tonight, the certify is is to declare something as truth. Uh, That's really what it's about. When you certify something, uh, there's a formality to it. There's also a method by which you, you must follow for it to be certified. Um, Paul's authority as an apostle, for whatever reason, came under a lot of question uh, during his, his time in the churches. And, and he, was, he was ready at the hand to, uh, always at the hand to, to defend that. Uh, and, and here it's, it's not different. It, this interesting and I would just make this point and, and then hand it off to, to someone else to pick it up. Paul says, I certify you. Now, that is to make known unto you, to repeat perhaps that which I've already repeated or already said to you, to declare it as truth, um, not from man, but but from the Lord. And then he says, I certify you, brethren. Uh, Paul was not, and this. I think Brother Joe made this point last week. Paul was not trying to win an argument with these naysayers that have come on on the scene. He is he's addressing the the churches in Galatia. Uh, he refers to them as brethren. He's he's trying to win them back <laughs> to that which which they were in before, and he's not doing it by you know towing up. One of one against one with these these that had come in and were uh, offering a compromised gospel. Uh, he just plainly states early on, it's not a gospel. It, I mean, it's it's not worthy of your consideration. And I'll tell you, when when you've heard the true gospel of salvation in Christ Jesus, nothing compares to that. Nothing will ever compare to that. And Paul is addressing them declaring unto them, certifying before them that that which he has said and that which he's going to say uh, is, is not of man, it's of, of the Lord. Um, I think it's very important as ministers that we, we affirm things when we try to preach. Uh, and, and really, that's the way we should approach it, Brother Joe, is to 
to win people, not to win arguments. That's that's not that's not our role. And and certainly Paul was focused upon that point. Brothers, go ahead, jump in, uh, take it off of that verse. Ready, uh, Mark? So why don't you go ahead? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think the Apostle Paul. I think Scripture proves out the Apostle Paul. Um, he had a bit of an uphill battle in his ministry for a, a number of reasons. Um, obviously here and, um, in first Corinthians chapter 15, he, he declares, um, that he is an apostle, uh, which tells me out of this, that there was more than likely some that said, well, he's not really an apostle. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he wasn't with the Lord like Peter and James and John. So so twice, at least that I can recall off the top of my head, he, he is declaring, and I don't believe he's making, he's not making excuses, no. but he is certifying brother Jerry yeah. that what he says is truth by virtue of his, uh, apostleship. Secondly, I think the apostle Paul had an uphill battle based on the, one of the Corinthian letters. And I cannot brother Mike, brother Joe, all three, y'all be able to pinpoint exactly where I'm going to go where his, his, they said, the apostle Paul says, I know what y'all say about me, that I'm, I'm really feeble looking. And mm. they say, and he, they say, my speech is contemptible. Mm. Um, so, I mean, even from a physical, um, experience, the apostle Paul had an uphill battle, but he never, ever, ever used it as an excuse. Right. Never fell back and said, but remember I wasn't alive or I wasn't around the Lord when he was alive, <laughs> right. you know, when he was in, in this world. Now, remember, I've got a little bit of a problem with my speech and maybe I'm a little harsh and I know I'm weak and beggarly brother, Mike, you said something about his dealings with his, his eyesight and everything else that he just, he really struggled with both, both the physical issues. And then obviously the issues that people were saying, he's not really an apostle. <laughs> But he certifies over and over and over again, never using as an excuse. And he does so when he launches this, where brother, and I'll go back to where Brother Jerry launched from when he says, <clears throat> I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is yep. not after man. It right. is not something that's man-derived, man-created, uh, man-invented. It's not something that man has come up with on their own. This gospel that Paul says that he preaches is the very gospel that Jesus Christ himself preached while he was in this world. And that alone would certify Paul. But Brother Joe, you mentioned how he kept coming back. Um, and he said that he wasn't taught of man, but by revelation of Christ Jesus, just like the other apostles, that he didn't go immediately to Jerusalem, but spent three years in Arabia, spent three years with the Lord, just like the other apostles that he Great continues point. over and over again, saying there's this, there's this, there's this never as an excuse though. So when he approaches, and I think that's so important. To, especially for somebody like me is to, you know, to stop coming up with excuses. You know, I heard elder, well, I heard an elder one time say at, a, at the ordination 
of somebody, don't get in the pulpit and say how much you don't know. Give the <laughs> congregation time and they'll figure yeah, that out. They'll figure it out. <laughs> I remember that was like 35 years ago, brother Mike, you were there. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, don't say mm -hmm. what we don't know, but be like Paul yeah. and say what we do know. Amen. To the extent that we can certify it, it's certifiable. And that's not to say it's crazy. It's to say that there is a stamp, there is a God stamp of approval on what the Apostle Paul preached to the churches of Galatia. Amen. And that in and of itself is more than enough for Paul to stand on, but he keeps going. You know what? I've got to stop or I'm going to keep going because I'll, I'll head all the way down to, to, to preach in the faith that he wants, that he wants well, destroyed. But, yeah. but anyway, we'll, Why not? we'll, we'll get to <laughs> right. that. We'll get to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what, brother Mark, real, real quick, as you were talking about that, and, and you know, it's not about quantifying or validating the apostle Paul. It was important that Paul did that yes. uh, with the churches yes. at Galatia, right? Yes. It's important that we accept it here in, in the church today. Yes. But I, I love what Paul himself said. To the church at, uh, at Corinth, he says, um, and last of all, he was seen of me also mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as one, as of one born mm -hmm. out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles. He's not copping out on anything, and he's not, you know, uh, self-abasing necessarily, but he does it with qualification. He says that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Mm -hmm. Now that's something that Paul did and, and he, he never forgot it. It drove him, I think in, in many respects and who of us, even on panel today have uh, maybe not, certainly not persecuted as Paul did, but we haven't always measured up. Have we? Right. And you know, right. I, I'm blessed to remember some of those things because it motivates me. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, same it, here. it compels, it, it compels me. But then he says this, and, and this is really what I wanted just to tie on what you said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now that if you say that and you mean it with your heart of hearts, it is unacceptable, unacceptable to make excuses Amen. for our yeah. person. It's just because I am what I am by the grace of God. End of matter. It, it, <laughs> end, that's of, the end. end of the matter. Right. You know, and brother, brother Jerry, it may sound strange and, and y'all may disagree, but I believe the apostle Paul embraced that. He yeah. embraced the fact that he, not that he relished or enjoyed thinking about the times that he persecuted the church, but he embraced that as a way of showing the readers that number one, he was a man just like they were, but number two, to show the power of God that God used the mm -hmm. apostle Paul for, he said, Hey, this is how bad I was. This is how terrible the things were that I did. And the only reason <laughs> I'm where I am today is by the grace of God, by the grace right? of God, he continually points back to the source and not to himself. He doesn't use that to endorse himself in any way, shape or form other than to prove that Jesus Christ wrought a work in him. He began the work. He'll finish the work when he's done with the apostle Paul. Right. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. All right. All right now, Mark, <laughs> um, your description 
reminds me of something I read years ago about John Newton. As a almost as a child, like twelve or thirteen years old, he went on to a ship as as a just a chore boy mm-hmm. and worked his way up to become the captain of a slave ship. Right. And when the Lord finally got his attention, he turned away from that way of life. But this writing said he never allowed the church where he preached to forget what he was. He regularly reminded them of what he was before the grace of God changed his life. And that's that's exactly what you're describing. I think any man who is touched by grace will face what he was and not let people forget it. Yes. Amen. Great point. Amen. Boy, wonderful point. One. Uh, who's next? You. You. Well, you. <laughs> looking <laughs> right at you. Hey, I'm staring at him. You All have three, three of us are looking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, I totally endorse everything you brethren have said, and you said it so well. And I hope everyone who's watching uh, takes to heart what they've heard thus far. It's very needful for today's time. I think. Yeah, word certifies, brother Jerry and his brother Mark have brought means uh, really just to, to swear an oath almost to uh it's almost at that level of gravity yeah it is you know, yeah. it is here's my certification right here i certify yes. this you know yeah puts it on the uh there and jerry you hinted at it but i think this also needs to be keep in mind be kept in mind in the way it's used here it also means to reconfirm that's right not merely to confirm but to reconfirm confirm and you know what that yep. means he is swearing again to something he's already sworn to. In other words, these people he's writing to, they knew all this already. They'd heard it before. That's a great Straight from him. Yeah. And yet these uh, teachers, I call them teachers, but they came in and they, however way they made their argument, it made them forget what they knew to be true. And, oh, how terrible it is to go from believing a truth to believing a lie. It's just mm-hmm. talk about being bewitched. Yes, they were right. bewitched. Yes, they were. Uh, I want to throw this out about the, the revelation, because I think this is a key point that Paul makes about not only himself, but about the gospel that he preached, because he said that, as Brother Mark said, he, he was he didn't learn it from man. He didn't it wasn't taught to him by man, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, you read down a little bit further uh, in verse 16, where it says, to yep. reveal his son in me. And the one that's doing the revealing here is God. God revealed yep. his son. So I'm going to say that the revelation of Jesus Christ in the sense of Galatians, as Paul used it here, is God's revelation of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And why is that important? Well, let's move back a few verses to that verse six, which is a very key verse because of what it says about uh, being removed from him, from him, from him. This is a very important point in my, my opinion. I'm, I hope I'm not overstating this, but Paul's framing the argument. And I don't mean arguments like fighting and like cats and dogs. I'm talking about a logical presentation of the facts uh, to refute something that's being said by someone else, supposedly also arguing the facts. 
Paul is, is uh, framing the argument like this. This is not me as, an, as, the, as the attorney for the prosecution or the defense in this case and the teachers as the attorney for the prosecution and you, Galatia, as the jury, as the jury where you can make up your mind who's telling the truth. He's, this is not what he's saying. He's saying your problem is not with me. It's with God. Yeah. Amen. That's yeah, a right. point. Problem is not you're not arguing with me. These right. men, nope. they can they think they're getting yes. at me. They're not. Mm-hmm. Who they are fighting against is God. That's right. And the evidence, Joe said this before we went on air. The evidence, the experience of the Galatians was was undeniable. The the and we re, we'll read about that in Galatians three and one. And in all matters of truth, experience must match up with facts. And facts will bolster experience, but you can't prove facts by merely experience. You can't prove the truth only by experience. In Paul's case, he says, your experience is biblical. We can prove it by Scripture. And he goes back to Abraham, and he says, your experience when I was there was the same as Abraham's experience that time when God appeared to him. So the argument Paul makes is it's great. It's fantastic. It just shows what a brilliant mind he had. And of course, he's writing by divine inspiration. God is the one you're fighting. Right. God is the yeah. one you're, you're defecting from. You're not defecting from me. Does it hurt me? Yes, I hate it. I, it, it yes, it makes me angry. It hurts my feelings. But that's not the real deal. It's who you are truly defecting from, God. Amen. Anybody goes after a lie, they're not going after God. They're going away from God. Exactly. The revelation <clears throat> um, is the Greek word that we have called apocalypse. Yeah. You know, like the last book of the of the Bible, the revela- revelation. It's really the Greek word apocalypse. And to and the revelation is as the word would have us to know. It's the revealing of something that was hidden. Right. Yep. That's one vital facet, but it's not the only vital facet that Paul brings out about this word apocalypse, because it's the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. By God, from God to Paul, in Paul. And that phrase, in Paul, in me, <clears throat> says it's a very personal <laughs> revelation. It's not some objectified, uh, passionless uh, uh logical thing it is a it is something that defies all explanation it is something that defies all nature it is a work of god directly to one person in this case Mm. paul Uh, to a jew like paul in his old life as he said about himself he says that he he profited in the jews religion Mm-hmm. And the, the original, that's Judaism. Judaismos is the word in the Jews' religion. So he says, I, I profited in Judaism of many my equals. So here he is, a young man uh, with a lot of other young men. Yeah, I can just imagine like at college or what. It was the school of Hillel's, I understand it, where Pharisees learned how to be Pharisees, where young Pharisees learned to be Pharisees and taught by the very best, Gamaliel. Learned at the Neg Male, who was the grandson of this great Hillel, he had the best education money could buy. But not only did money buy it, his his eagerness, his zealousness, his his uh, his mind, his mental ability, his creative 
intensity, was able to not only grasp what was being taught him, but he bought it. He bought it, uh, as we would say, hook, line, and sinker. He became the best at understanding it. I think it was impressive. I think anybody would have been impressed with the young Saul of Tarsus. But look where tradition got Saul of Tarsus. What they learned, he even says it, in the traditions of my my fathers. I think he uses that as the opposite of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's right. You learn traditions from men. And that's not to say traditions are bad, inherently evil. It's just saying, look at the source of, of where you learn them. You learn traditions from men. <clears throat> but revelation is from God direct to the person to whom he reveals it. And, and in Paul's case, look where tradition was sending him. He, he, he saw in his religion, and this is where we primitive Baptists anybody today can make this mistake. When we make religion equal with, oh, yeah, with God, oh, another worship point. of God, religion is so is important. important. Get, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Pure, Pure religion yeah. and undefiled before God and the Father yeah. is this, as Jesus right. did. But religion has caused more problems for good oh. people over the oh. last centuries. As more people have died because of religion, horribly and for no good reason, unjustly, because people couldn't see past their own religion. No right. matter how well-intentioned. And I think we can say Paul was well-intentioned, and he meant to protect his nation, which was uh, um, which was uh, uh, totally tied together with religion. Religion and country was one and the same. And what he saw in the sect of the Nazarene was the most horrid thing to <clears throat> one raised in the tradition. Where is God to be, be found in the temple? Where is God to be found in the temple? But these people, these Nazarenes said God was to be found in one and only one source, and that's Jesus Christ, the Messiah sent from God. Yeah. And he and this man was crucified on, a, on the tree. He was a curse to Paul. How could this man be the conduit through which God reveals himself? He's a curse. He was crucified on a tree. What did it take for Saul of Tarsus to see past tradition? It took the revelation of Jesus Amen. Christ. That's right. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Yeah. I Amen. am Jesus whom yep. thou persecutest. Now, more is going on than just being converted. I, I, I think we all agree. That's when Paul was yeah. regenerated. But he was also called to the ministry, and he was mm. in something spectacular also, as it says— he was taught by revelation. Yes, that's right. The revelation right. came, came, it conveyed not just the, the facts, but how to use the facts. Right. Amen. Man, that's right. That's something. Wow. You know, Brother Mike, what a, what a tremendous number of points you are making <laughs> with this. Uh, we, we are, we talked and brother Joe, you mentioned it in your level set, just very quick thought. Uh, the apostles had three years face to face with Christ. Uh, Paul had three years uh, with with Christ. Can we? And it's not about Paul, but can we get the magnitude of this? As Brother Mike, you just said, 
how how entrenched entrenched Paul was in uh, in the Jews' religion. I mean, he was head and shoulders above his peer group. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely all in. Yeah, it's amazing to just think that three year period of time as Christ was revealing to Paul himself over that period of time. Paul was a very smart guy. Uh, it took him a while to, to get his mind around this complete yeah. upheaval and certainly to have the revelation of Christ by Christ. Oh, it uniquely qualified Paul, uniquely qualified him to, to teach this message unto the Gentiles. To be, uh, an apostle. To, be an ap- to be an apostle to, and, and to teach as he did. My goodness. What a what a tremendous thought. And to think that we have also this that word revelation, it, it carries the thought of uh, taking taking off a cover, revealing, right? To think we have that in the church today. Yes. yes. We have it in the church today. And the point you made that I just dearly love, and all three of us jumped in with a huge amen. The argument is not with the preacher. Yeah. If you push back on these principles, the argument's not with the preacher. It, it, it's it's with God. That's right. So well, so well said, brother Mike. My goodness, wonderful Amen. thoughts, Mike. Your 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 that point that Paul's reminding these people: your argument is not with me. Yeah, it's with God. Um, as if we don't have enough on our plate with these verses, he carries this argument forward in the <laughs> third chapter. He does. In verse 5, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Mm. A lot of commentaries make that Paul or another preacher. It says Mm. way too much. Way too much. Ministereth is a present tense verb, a Mm. constant ministration of the Spirit. That's right. Does the preacher work miracles? No. Nope. In both cases, the he is Jesus. Amen. By the Spirit. And how is this transmitted to you, Galatians, by the works of the law? Because you circumcised and ate a kosher diet by the hearing of faith. Amen. Go to Romans 10. The righteousness of faith speaks and someone hears. And where do they hear that voice speaking? It's yeah. in the heart already when they hear it. Amen. Yeah. Oh. And that's, Paul is saying, you had the experience in your that's own right. heart when I preached to you and daily continuing when I left and went away from you, that ministration continued. Did you get yeah. that from the law or did you get it by Jesus who has been there all the time with you. Mm-hmm. That is a powerful point. That's the, that is the point. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, man, that is it's one the of the point. big points of Galatians. Hey, it yeah. absolutely is, brother. It Phil. doesn't happen until God makes it happen. Right. right. That's the second point to the meaning of apocalypse as Paul used it. Yeah. It's the, it's the taking away of the covering. It's Christ. It, the mystery that was kept hidden from you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He was in the Gentiles all along, but now, yeah. they, know now, now they know it. Yeah. Now but they know the it. The other thing is they wouldn't have known it unless God literally broke in on this present reality by sending mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. To do what he did 
to set him forth as a propitiation. And in that epical event, the world that is to come, if I can get a little weird, a little wonky right now, the world that is to come broke in on the world that now is. Yeah. <laughs> Present yes. evil world. Yeah. It, it implies that there's another world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that world that we think is future, guess what? It's, <laughs> it's already here, breaking in on our reality. And when we're yeah. born of the Spirit of God, we have the Spirit of Christ in us. We, we're, <laughs> we're, in, we're in it this way, and we're not in it the other way, you see? That's right. That's, that's right. Our, that's that part of that warfare is that we, uh, we live almost in two realities. Mm-hmm. But the real reality is the reality that, that Paul got on the road to Damascus. That's when... <laughs> I don't even know how to read what he you know, did. Was he just stunned? I know his his sight was taken from him, but he didn't he didn't fight Jesus when he said, "I'm Jesus, whom thou nope. persecutest." He didn't. That's right. Eh, That's right. No, 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 no. Not you. That's... Please, not you. Any, anyone but you. No, he was already ready That's to go. Right. That's oh proof goodness. positive, right there. Yeah. Yeah. So and so when I think about this, when he talks about, um. You've heard of my conversation, his way of life in times past. And Joe, you're you're right. He didn't deny anything that he did. He didn't. Mm. And and yes, it did it add to the story? Oh, in this sense, it did. It made it more real. Because what you must come from after reading this is that Paul wasn't looking for Jesus when Jesus got him. Right. If anything, he was looking to destroy the church yeah. that Jesus Christ left. Paul's fondest hope as Saul of Tarsus was to to kill Jesus Christ. But yep. since he couldn't get his hands on him, he'd do the next best thing, and that is wipe out from off the face of the Amen. earth. Yep. The oh. Church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but the revelation, whoo, the revelation. Yeah. Wow. What did that revelation do to that young man? Mm-hmm. That fierce, hard-hearted, cruel, calculating young man. Well, it just turned him inside out and upside yeah. down. And, and a few other things. Yeah. And a, and a, few, and a few other things. things. Well, you know, Brother Mike, uh, and you're on that with Paul right now in verses 15 and 16. And that's kind of where you use to jump back and forth to relative to Revelation. Uh, Paul lists sequential activity by God. Yeah, he did. Upon him, toward him with a very specific language. And uh, I, I think it, 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 I think on the road to Damascus, we can also look at that circumstance and you'll see sequential activity as well. And I don't want to go in that direction. Uh, I think you've, you've stated it clearly well, but listen to what he says, but when it pleased God, I mean, that's a yeah. profound statement oh, in it and of is. itself right yes, there, it but it's when it, ple- it is at God's discretion, End of end of the matter, <laughs> right? And, and then God did some things, act, very active, <laughs> who separated me from my mother's womb, right? Yeah. I mean, you can go and you can see David's account on something similar to that over in Psalms one thirty nine. God is active, church, <laughs> with with the birth <laughs> of His people, <laughs> and called me by His grace. Another thing, He was born naturally. He was born spiritually. That was Paul's experience by the sovereign work of God, by the sovereign work of almighty God. And really in the context of this letter to the Galatian churches, the the focal point is, is that when it pleased God to reveal 
his son That's the in sentence me. right there. That's the sentence right there. Yeah. And Paul's authority and then the authority of what he is saying is, is truly captured in, in that statement. When it pleased God to reveal his son in me, I lingered around for a while. I, you know, <laughs> I wonder what's going on. He said, no. immediately, immediately I, I conferred not with flesh and blood. And let me just say this on that word conferred real quick, and then I'll, I'll stop. That word conferred has to do with uh, laying up a matter so as to obtain counsel. It's almost like we might use the term uh, an ace in the hole, right? I, I, got, I have a fallback position, perhaps, <laughs> something on that. Paul said, I, I did not put before I did not confer. I did not lay up something in addition to that which God had revealed into me. He took it exactly as it was revealed unto him. Exactly. And as it relates to us today in the church, uh, when we've been blessed to understand some things by revelation, having the cover removed, uh, and I'm so thankful that I'm a, a member of the Primitive Baptist Church because I believe that I, I believe that we have been revealed some things and we have embraced them. If we confer with flesh and blood, if we lay up something as a uh, an out, if you will, or something that we might add to that which God has blessed us to see, we are in the same boat as the churches in Galatia. Mm-hmm. And God help us to embrace fully that which, and you know, the spirit within it, it, it will never lie to you. And when that is, when that cover is pulled off and you are made to cry from the inside out and just rejoice and your heart leaps with it, embrace it for all it is worth. And, and do not look for an out with that. Do not look for something to supplement it. That's an end. You want yeah, 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 yeah. That's an end. <laughs> Jerry, uh, apologies for a, a personal experience. I made my first effort to speak in the church when I was 14 years of age. I felt a burden that I could not, I intended to delay till I was 18, and that burden became too, too heavy to carry. I had heard men preach all my life. They were called experimental preachers. Yeah, yeah. They preached their experience sometimes more than they preached scripture. Mm, I'm sorry. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they did. And it was almost like they glorified rebellion mm. and how God overcame the rebellion despite all of their efforts. The first time I met a man and said, will you tell me your experience? He had also started speaking in his teen years. He said, well, I, I felt the conviction and someone asked me to introduce the service and I did. And I thought, wow, <laughs> <laughs> it was so refreshing. Yeah. Paul didn't say, I fought it, I resisted it, no. I, the bed shook and the donkey, the donkey braid or anything. <laughs> He said, when, when that happened, I didn't ask, I didn't consult with someone. I didn't ask anyone for advice. I did what he told me to do. Yeah. 
That's biblical obedience. Amen. That's our example. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I think we all agree that, that Saul of Tarsus got the triple whammy right there on the road to Damascus, right? <laughs> generation conversion call to the ministry. Yeah, I'm tend to agree with brother Mike in his assessment of, of Paul right after that moment, he was temporarily blinded. He just mm-hmm. had the triple whammy. He had to have the men that he was leading, then lead him into Damascus to Ananias. Right. Right. So I do think the apostle Paul at that point was, I mean, probably just overwhelmed by everything that had just happened to be. But you're absolutely right. He, there is no scripture to ever say that he questioned what happened on the road to Damascus. Instead, just like he embraced what he had done and didn't deny it in the past, he embraced what the Lord did to him on the Damascus road. And, and I'll give you a personal reference. Elder Bill Walden. I heard him preach one time on Ananias's words, brother Saul, brother Saul. And the experience that, that the apostle had with Ananias, he says, brother Saul, the same Jesus that appeared to you in the way hath appeared to me also that I, that you might receive your sight and receive the Holy ghost. So Ananias immediately and Ananias argued, right? Brother Jerry, yeah. you said, I'm not going to go to the ninth chapter book. Actually, here I am in the ninth chapter book. Yeah. But Ananias <laughs> says, Lord, you got the wrong man. You got the wrong man. Wow. The Lord man. never has the wrong man. Amen. He always has the right man. And the apostle right Paul, time. going back to Galatians chapter one, the apostle Paul uses that experience. He uses first his experience under uh, Judaism, right? He uses that yeah. experience in the law and how terrible that was. And then he immediately goes to the experience he had on the Damascus road with the Lord Jesus Christ and how that experience, the same, this is not a different man. It's the same man. That's and so right. it's the same, the same vehemence that he had under the law. He now has that same, ex, 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 that same, um, excitement, that same yeah. drive, but now it's, it's focused, no longer law focused. It's grace focused because yeah. of what Jesus Christ did on, yeah. uh, on the road to Damascus one. Okay. I've got to get to verse 23 real quick. Got to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He says in verse 22, and, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith, which was, which once he destroyed and destroyed God in me. That reminds me of Philippians mm. chapter one, verse 27, right? Mm. Uh, Cause what Philippians one 27 is now, this is the same apostle only let your conversation that mm. just what they say. It's how they live. Yeah. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in yeah. one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That which he lived to destroy, now he lives to proclaim. Yeah. That which once he sought um, strength under the, the under the law to destroy the church, 
Now he destroys the law by the work of Jesus Christ through the gospel that he preaches. So the punch drunk Saul of Tarsus, when Ananias found him there in Damascus, and he's undoubtedly thinking, what just happened? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, now he, with that same exuberance, he's saying, this is what I used to do. This is yeah. what I do now. The Amen. same strength that I did, the same exuberance I had doing this, I have the same exuberance now, but I'm going to share that. So over here, I want to destroy over here. I want to build up. Right. In fact, that's what he church told the, the elders of the church at, at Ephesus. That, right. That's right. He commended them to God, able to build you up. Uh, and, and give you a heritage among all them that are sanctified. Right. So the faith of the gospel. So Paul, he, Paul says people were pointing and saying, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm listening to this man preach what we've been preaching, but it's the same guy that we're just terrified of because when he shows up, people lose their lives. And now he is preaching the faith that he sought to destroy. Right. How? And they glorified God. That's right. In me. Not so Paul. again, it keep, Mike, you're right. It keeps going back to God. Yeah. It's all yes. about what God yeah. has done in the yep. life of the apostle Paul. And he, I believe he's laying this groundwork in the first chapter. He's establishing all of this as he as yep. leaves chapter one and heads to chapter two. He's got, I'm telling you, while he's pinning chapter two, please allow me to say it. it while he's pinning chapter two, I have to think that he's thinking, man, I can't wait to get to chapter three and four, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to lay the groundwork, right? He's laying the yeah. groundwork about yeah. what God has done in him. Okay, I got to verse twenty three, so now I'll I'll stop. Well, can I can I say something? I mean, amen and double amen. Yeah. Uh, what I love about what he says there, uh, of course, the I think a, one of the summarizations I I think we should get from when we get to the end of the first chapter, Paul says, "You see, it isn't me. Yes, I didn't yeah. come by this. I wasn't looking for it. I certainly wasn't yeah. wanting it. Yeah." It was all God, and when he when he gave me what he gave me, I no longer wanted to live the life that I used to live. Yeah. If that's not proof enough for you, I don't know what. Because yeah. these yeah. teachers were trying to have them live like Saul of Tarsus used to live. Yeah. To, to hang on to that kind of tradition that got him in all of that anger yeah. and hatred and and segregation and and uh, putting down people. Paul says, I had that. that. That's really the the subtext of what I think he said. I had all that stuff that you're being yep. seduced into. I you you don't want that. You don't want that. Right. God yeah. has given us such a rich thing. But the the churches of Judea, sometimes we forget there were other churches in Palestine than just the church at Jerusalem. Yeah. Now Jerusalem was by rights the mother church. I mean, that's where the apostles by and large all had their church membership. But I liked how he says that, uh, Brother Mark, when he says, I was unknown by face. Mm -hmm. They just knew me by reputation. Mm -hmm. And that reputation was not a good reputation. Yeah, no. that's right. It was the no. waster, the destroyer of the faith. Yeah. But then word came that the very one that was seeking to destroy us now preaches the faith which he once sought yeah. to destroy. It just proves to me. 
Jesus Christ takes his church so very seriously. Amen. Oh, yes. He will not let his church be trounced upon like that. We may not think that Jesus will, will do what we think he's going to do, but that's that's our weakness. We must realize this is not our church. It's his church. It's not our bride. It's his bride. And what was Saul of Tarsus doing to his bride? Would you not take it very ser- seriously and personally if someone did to your wife uh, some terrible things? I mean, you'd <clears throat> find it very hard not to take the matters into your own hands. Mm. Well, Jesus Christ loves <laughs> his church, his people, and he will not have it trifled with. We need to That's remember right. that. Especially That's in right. this world today. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And lastly, let me just say... <clears throat> The good news that Paul was now preaching, it's ironic, but in the second chapter, we're going to read him say something like this in the 18th verse, for if I build again, Mm -hmm. the things which I destroyed. Yeah. Now, he's not talking about the church there. Mm -mm. He's talking about the things that would seek to destroy the church, the the law of works and all that. He is, he put all of his mental acuity all the things that he learned in the school of Hillel at the knee of Gamaliel, and now he sees the key to understanding. Now it all comes to focus. All those things that he thought were so important, religion. He saw past religion, and he saw the epic truth of all truths. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone. That's right. Now, these people, these good people... Notice how he says, the churches of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I do too. We looked at our sister churches and like that, and our sister churches would look at our church that way. Amen. That's right. Churches yeah. of God in Christ. And when we hear good news, let us glorify God. Amen. And That's may so we true. never forget it. Yep. Okay. Now, I know we have reached a point yeah. in time when we must say, <laughs> Farewell, adieu, off theater saying goodbye. Where did that come from, Brother Mark? Oh, man, I hate to say it. That was from the sound of music. It sure does. Sound of music. It sure does. It sure does. I'm so sorry I brought that up. But we're going to bring this to a close, and we're going to look first. Brother Jerry, closing remarks. Oh, I guess the, the only closing remark that I would make, uh, we left a lot of ground uncovered Man, uh, w- with, with this, but we got to move on, but I'm going to, yeah, we, we do. And uh, to be expedient, um, I, I would like to make a, a practical application um, to our experience in the church today, relative to some of the things that we've talked about. And the fact that, that the apostle Paul um, did not look to confer with flesh and blood Um upon the revelation uh, of Jesus Christ by Christ. He did not go up to Jerusalem to gain uh, man's approval in any way, the apostles approval or, or anything else. Um, I, I think that's, that's a very important um, point in, in this lesson and the application today uh, that I would make for, for the churches today we we talked about it, I think, two sessions ago about being uh, pleasing unto God or or being a man pleaser, and a lot of times it's it's our default position uh, because we are carnal. 
to lean and look toward uh, getting the approval of of man. Um, the approval of God is is really the only thing that matters. It, it really is. Um, it's interesting. I would have loved to have been in a fly on the wall in the conversation with Paul and Peter when he went up there for those number of days. I have no, yeah, I know who they talked about, but uh, it's, it's interesting to, to contemplate uh, how that conversation might have gone. But I would encourage the church today. Uh, and Brother Mike, you alluded to it. When we hear good news, um, when we hear of increase, when we hear of of uh, in gathering. Um, all that we would we be of the mindset to immediately fall on our knees in prayer of thankfulness unto the Lord and rejoice with one another. I don't think that's always our default posture. Mm. I, I think envy comes in and, and different things that, that we may allow in that cloud our thinking. The other thing I would say is as we look at the ministry that comes in among us, um, that, that we would in our heart of hearts, see the Lord in the preaching, uh, look beyond the man, see the Lord in the preaching and rejoice in that. Don't put so much emphasis upon uh, the individuals that go in and, and out. Uh, I, I tell you, a preacher that, um, that knows anything about it, they don't want you puffing him up. They don't want you elevating him and putting him on a pedestal in any way, shape, or form, because that just is further to fall, <laughs> and it's not good, um, and it's not good for the church. Uh, the gifts that God's given to the church, the things that He has revealed unto the ministry, as they seek His will and to seek the the things of the Lord, uh, that He needs your prayers and. Uh, it, it, very much so, and the ability by grace to set these things before the church. See the Lord in the message, and look beyond the man completely, and thank God for the message. Your preachers will preach better when you do that. The Lord blesses them to to speak in a way that it glorifies Him, and it's all about feeding the flock of God. So anyway, you could talk a lot more uh, about those things, but um, Paul is spending a lot of time here elevating, putting a spotlight upon uh, the person of Jesus Christ and the work of God to his full and complete abasement. Paul is doing that. I've said this before. I'll say it again, just in as it pertains to a personal thing. If if when I'm, when I'm gone, if my ministry has been successful, if it would be marked as a success, it would be to the degree that I disappeared before God's people, that they just saw Christ, <laughs> and that there was a guy that talked about Christ all the time <laughs> in his preaching. And that's what, to me, that's what marks a successful ministry. And I sure pray that I'll continue to be around people like the three of you guys that feel the same way because it helps me a lot. It's a powerful lesson, you guys, powerful lesson. So a whole lot more than you asked for, Brother Mike, <laughs> as a cap, that but that's wonderful. where my heart that was is. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Marcus Danielius Rowellius. Can I get away with ditto? <laughs> <laughs> if we knew what we were doing, yes, we'd all say ditto. <laughs> yeah. We're not that smart. 
You know, <laughs> no, I'm not that no. smart. Not, not even close. Brother Jerry, amen. Um, I think that if we focus on the truth that God is still ruling and reigning as he always has, and he always will, yes, sir. And that the church that the Lord himself set up is not about us in any way, shape or form. Paul just proved to us that it wasn't about him. If right. Paul saying it's not about me, who are we to say it's about us? Amen. We can't. We can't. Uh, and the and the minute that we start saying it's about us, then we might find ourselves in the shape of the church at Ephesus having left their first love. Uh, and that's the last thing that I ever, ever yeah. want to do or be a cause <laughs> of in the house of God. Um, this is, this is all about what the Lord has done for his church and the continual preaching of the same message over and over and over again, nothing new, nothing added, nothing taken away, all glory going to God, regardless of who's preaching, regardless of who's pastoring all glory going to God. That's what this is all about. And may he continue to give us grace to Mm. ever have that in the forefront of our minds as we live as servants in his kingdom today. Amen. Amen. Mm. Pierce just say ditto, but go ahead, Brother Joe. Closing thoughts, Brother Joe. We should not leave chapter one without a very important notation. Paul is unapologetically fierce in his rejection and criticism of the false teachers who have created the problem in Galatia. He's direct, yes, with the Galatians, but incredibly tender. Despite the intensity of some of his arguments, In chapter one, he starts with the fact that he who called you into the grace of Christ. Right. Who did that? Jesus. Amen. And look at how he described his own experience. Despite me being a persecutor, Jesus called me into his grace the same as he called you. We're together, folks. And what he has done for us, to us, and in us is not something to be abandoned. It's something to be nurtured and cultivated. Let's get back to nurturing and cultivating it, Galatians, not walking away from it. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's that's my that's my cap. That's your (laughs) that is oh man. When am I going to learn not to follow Joe Holder? <laughs> Anticlimax, right? <clears throat> I want to just say a few words about tradition in closing because I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression that I'm disrespecting traditions. I'm just saying that when you put traditions on the level of the Word of God, no matter how well-intentioned you may be, you can't be right Yeah, it's because it's coming from the wrong place. What these teachers were doing, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm willing to say they thought they were doing the right thing. 
They, they thought the church of Jerusalem was wrong. And even though the majority had voted against them, they couldn't live with themselves unless they got out there and straightened out these things that Paul was doing. Yeah. But this is, they were coming from a place of tradition. Mm-hmm. And a tradition is man-pleasing. It's, it's about pleasing men. How well are you keeping up their traditions? How well are you doing? How well are you stoking the home fires? And Paul is saying, I was there. If anybody understands that mindset, I do. And yeah. I'm telling you, Galatians, when I was of that mindset, that's when I was at my most ferocious against the church of God. I actually honestly believe this, this bunch of people needed to be wiped off the face of the earth because it was yeah. destructive <clears throat> to my religion. What we as primitive Baptists, or if you're not a primitive Baptist, whatever you, uh, group you, you belong to, you ought to believe it is the church of God. You ought to believe that it is the truth. You should not be ashamed, or and it's not boastful to say, I think we have the truth, because why else would you be going there if you didn't mm. think that? That's exactly right. And the truth, the truth can inform tradition, and tradition can be used in honor of truth, but let us never, ever put tradition on the same level as the truth of the ages of Jesus Christ and Christ. Right. <clears throat> we too will end up doing things that we never thought we would ever be possible of doing. That's right. Saying in a good way either. So lastly, <clears throat> we're about to get into some, we're almost there to the meat, brethren. Just hang in there. We get to go oh. to 2.16. You can go crazy all you want to. <laughs> no, just go crazy. 2.16. <laughs> To people at home, 216, Galatians 216. That's where the, the rubber will meet the road. But what are we seeing now? Are we seeing any theology? Absolute yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Best theology is a personal theology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Theology that yes. means something to you. Does it, does it speak to you? And whether or not we're doing a good job of this, I hope that you see that the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians about Jew and Gentile problems, a first century problem that we don't have to worry about today. I want you to rethink that. Galatians yeah. is a letter for all time. And as yes, it is. It is a letter for our times. And we are looking at how it affected them back then, but I hope you can see how these problems will surface under different names, maybe different guises, but it's the same problems. Right. And the answer is the same then now as it was back then, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Galatians 2 and 20. I live. Yeah. Yet not I, but Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Amen. (laughs) And we trust we won't either. So, brethren, what do you say? Are we still ready to go for? Are we going to go forward? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get to Galatians 2 and 20 sometime in December, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time we'll do uh, Galatians 2, 1 through uh, 14, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. We'll go as far as we can. We'll go as far as we can. Hey, that's going to be interesting because that's when Paul went up to Jerusalem to have it out with the false brethren. Yep. Be, I think, very edifying and set the stage very well for the grand opening of the theology of Galatians 2.16. 
I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, brethren. Before we go, anything else? And we're going to ask Brother Mark Rao. Where is he? Oh, he's right there. Brother Mark Rao. Would you close us with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, once again, we're thankful for our being able to join together and discuss thy word. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for your guidance in the things that we undertake. And we certainly pray that all the glory be thine and that Heavenly Father, you continue to instruct us and guide our minds in these verses and in these scriptures that we would continue to see thy glory in all the things that were written regarding thee and regarding thy church. Heavenly Father, continue to guide us down life's pathway, uh, continue to lead us and direct us in, in everything that we do, and pray that you forgive us of all of our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Amen. All right, brethren. Let's say goodbye to the good people back home. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.